So if I look at my journey in sobriety now, it's this really cool thing where I showed up day one, right? And like, I didn't even know the girl in the mirror anymore. And I certainly didn't like her. And then as you get you know, three months, six months, nine months, a year into that journey, it became, I'm starting to get to know her. I'm learning to like her. And then the really cool thing that's occurred in the past, I don't know, I'd say six months of this thing is I trust her. Like what a journey to get to go from a place just a year and a few months ago of, I don't even know her. And I certainly don't like her to not only do I know her, but I fucking trust her. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Claire Bays, someone who is currently trailblazing a path of reinventing your life and motivating other people to create their own as well. Having left her career in real estate to pursue a more uncertain route in the health and wellness world, Claire brings an insane amount of positive energy to every step along the way. In this convo, we chat about everything from overcoming negative habits, how to put yourself out there and grow your skills, network, and opportunities, and why having a healthy body and spirit is critical to living your best life. Let's give you some of her great energy and welcome Claire Bays to the show. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here again with another episode of the Thrive in Life podcast. And today, we're bringing the energy. That's right. We're let gonna, it rip, Tater Chip. We're going to let it rip today. I got Claire Bays in the house, and I am very excited for this conversation because, one, I found somebody that matches my level of energy just on a daily basis. I don't know if you drink caffeine, if you don't drink caffeine, but like, you just bring the energy. And I love it. Um, it's something that my whole life, I feel like, I've brought that type of energy um, and some people like it, some people don't, but I love it. So it's good to have you here in the house today. How are you doing? I'm so good. How are you? I'm well. Um, Yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy, crazy August and it, it seems like it has been for you um, in a lot of ways. Just got back from the CrossFit Games. How was that? Amazing. It was my second time to attend. um, And last year I worked on a stand for a brand and this year I was there in my, like my own capacity. It's just I think that the best way to describe that experience for me was just totally surreal to go from last year to this year and have the experience that I got to have. Um, it's just surreal. What is your favorite part about the CrossFit Games? The community. I mean, it's incredible to watch the athletes do what they can do. It's amazing to see that in real life and just their capacity is, I mean, it's, it's a spectacle for a reason. And so that part of it is incredible, but definitely like, it's just this giant hub of all these people that you share this, this common interest of, of, you know, functional fitness with. And so that's definitely my favorite part is getting to see a lot of people that I don't get to see throughout the year and just connect with badass people. Hell yeah. Yeah. But there's something else that I wanted to kick this episode off with. I just did one year of being alcohol free and that's going to continue on to the foreseeable future. Um, I'm feeling great. And I really connected with a little bit of your story through social media. I saw that you are sober as well. And uh, it's one of the things that I want to kind of 
do a little bit better job of voicing because yeah. I think I've only said it like on social media like a couple times. And then when I did this alcohol free for a year, I have a viral post going out on LinkedIn right now, unintended. Um, and it was really just to show other people that for me, for instance, like it wasn't this huge deal. Like it, alcohol for me over the years was just something that didn't have a positive uh, influence on my life. And I started realizing that and I just decided one day I'm going to go out with a bang on my wife's 30th, going to drink a lot. And then the next day I'm going to wake up and I'm someone who doesn't drink alcohol anymore. Uh, and that's what I did. But for other people, they have a little bit different of a story for that. And one of the things that I want to do is share stories where we all have our different connections uh, with alcohol, drugs, substances, substances, and what they've either done or not done uh, for our lives. So I'd love to give you the floor to kind of share how did you come about being sober? Um, feel free to share as little or as much as possible. My whole goal with starting the conversation around this, though, is to potentially someone listening to this, if they've been considering uh, changing their life in a positive way, maybe they connect with your story and they, they change themselves and yeah. they become better and their community becomes better, just like you are doing for this world right now. So. Thank you. Go right ahead. Yeah. So thank you. I didn't say this at the very beginning, but I always like to open with gratitude and just thank you for wanting to sit down and talk to me. I think that gratitude is the cheat code for life. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. uh, so anyway, just thank you. And from there, if we're talking specifically about sobriety, then I have to say that uh, I do not relate to your experience in any way. And I appreciate that, right? Because you can choose to come to sobriety in different ways and there's not one right or wrong way to do that. And if you think that it's something that you want to do, you can do it. And then if it's not something you're interested in, like you don't have to, you know? So, so for my, my experience specifically with, um, getting sober, mine is because I'm an alcoholic. So I got sober out of desperation and out of a traumatic experience. And so if we kind of take back to, uh, how we got there and, and attempt to, to condense it a bit, then, you know, for me, I started, I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma and I started binge blackout drinking when I was 13 years old. And so when it came to like, it all just started out as fun, right? Like I was just like, in a small town and we drank and that's just like what we did. I wasn't involved in sports. Um, there were just a lot of things about my life that were very conducive to like, that was the environment that I was in. And so that was what I knew that was normal. And it started out as fun. And then of course, as you go through more years of binge blackout drinking, you start to rack up trauma. And so that certainly occurred for me, but I was like chasing this elusive feeling of like back when I like started drinking, like it was just fun and there were no repercussions for my actions. And then as you go further and further, that starts to shift and you can't really like, you know, I started to introduce other substances as well. And just kind of was like looking for that ease and comfort that I gained through being drunk and the, the more you do it, the harder it is to find that again. Right. But it was my coping mechanism. And so I always knew, you know, that, that like, oh, well, life is getting chaotic here or this is going on over here. Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be drinking in a day or two anyway. And like, I, I mean, I, I scheduled it. And so I was largely what most people would call like a functioning alcoholic. And so by the time that I arrived at sobriety, it's safe to say things were not functioning, but for so much of my relationship with alcohol for that first 16 years, um, where that was the length of time that I was drinking, it was just totally like 
it was normal and blacking out multiple times a week was completely normal. And the environment that I was in and the people that I was like, there wasn't anything like saying like, Hey, you know, I mean, events would occur and I would go, Ooh, okay. That wasn't cool. You know, but then a, a number of hours go by. And if you're an alcoholic, then that obsession starts to creep back in. And then like, okay, well, this is how I deal with life. Like, this is just how I navigate stuff. And like, I can kind of quiet things. And that's one of the things I think that why I drink, like I drank, um, is because my brain is always going. And so like, it was a way to get it to stop or to calm down. And so that's just, that's, that's why I did what I did. So to get to sobriety, if we just go through, trust me, there were many, many events that occurred that should have made me recognize like, this is not okay, but they didn't. So the event that did occur, and I'm an open book, so I'm happy to just go into it, is my grandmother died in February of last year. And my grandmother had the largest hand in raising me. She was very present in my childhood and was very present in my life. Um, She had the biggest impact on me. And so she passed away, and it was sudden. And I did everything I could do for that first week because I'm a doer. And so, like, from picking her clothing to writing the obituary and doing all of the, like, clothing her, I mean, everything was... I did the stuff and then the week is over and now I have to deal with me and I was not prepared to do that and I wasn't willing to do that. And so that was the moment where I clearly distinctly poured myself a giant drink leaving her home that week and I don't want to feel, I don't want to feel, I'm not going to do this. And I mean, it was a very conscious decision action. I do not want to feel things. And so then I rode that real hard for a couple of months straight into the ground. And so my binges just got longer. My blackouts just got longer. I kept on continuing to leave where I lived and go party elsewhere so that that away people that I knew like weren't seeing what was really going on. And, um, two months into that real hardcore venture, I wake up in a room that it's like 6 a.m. or something, and there's a girl sitting on top of me who has, uh, she's attacking me physically. And I know the person next to me, but I don't know how I got here. And so it's a traumatic experience in itself. But on top of that, there were screen recordings. There was a friend of hers in the doorway that videoed the whole thing. There were photos of me that she had taken from my social media and plastered a lot of words all over them. And she was angry and she had a right to be angry. I shouldn't have been there. And so whatever she did is neither here nor there. This was like the time that like the the public humiliation side of that event, because it did get posted all over social media. So thousands of people saw this and hundreds of people in my life saw it. It got screen recorded and it got fed out to lots of people that I know. So the public humiliation piece of it was essential for me to recognize, even though maybe there were many times in previous years where I should have recognized this, it took this event for me to realize whether I know how I got here or not, my actions got me here. And so whether I walked up or got dragged, it's irrelevant. I'm here because of my actions. I was running away from my problems and I was creating problems. And so then from there, and that just so happened to be that weekend was my mother's birthday. And so I show up to my mom's birthday. I fly home. I'm already flying home late because that's what I do. And I show up and I'm physically swollen because of all of the substances I've been taken and like my whole body. And then my face is also bruised and swollen because I've been physically attacked now. And it's my mom's birthday. And she and my sister are like, what's going on? And 
I, I just told them, I mean, I, I told my sister about the physical attack part of it, but I didn't tell my mother about that. Um, at the time, but I did just say, you know, I've just, I've been partying. Imagine being a mom seeing that, you know, and your kid's almost 29 years old and that's how they're dealing with life. And so anyway, for that first week after that event, I spent a lot of time in bed crying. And I just remember thinking I have to get sober. Like I have to put alcohol down, but I've never done it. I've never known a life without it. It's what I've done since I was 13. And so I know that I have to give this up or I will lose everything good in my life. But I don't know that I'm a person capable of living without it. And that's a really scary place to be. But thankfully, I did have friends that were involved in recovery programs. So I reached out to a friend of mine who had been sober for 12 years, and I knew that she was involved in some sort of recovery program. And so I just reached out to her and said, hey, I would really like to meet up. Uh, Not doing great. I think I've got to stop drinking. And so she met up with me immediately. And something that stuck with me that she said at that coffee that I'll never forget, aside from giving me some literature and helping me get involved into it in a 12-step program, which is something I'm still involved in today. But she's, she said, if you never want to drink again, you don't have to. And if you leave here right now and go have a drink, I love you anyway. Like what a friend, you know, I mean, it'll, it'll give me chills every time I say it for the rest of forever. I'm pretty sure. And I say it a lot. <laughs> so anyway, from there, then I really did. I think that, that an essential piece for me in the recovery from alcoholism is, is getting involved in a community that understands me. Because if you're not somebody who struggles with drug addiction or alcoholism or something like that, then like, I love that for you. But like, you can't relate to me and understand me on the level that like, I kind of, you know, in that moment I needed help. I had never known how to live sober. I needed my hand held and I needed to be shown how to do it. And so thankfully those programs do exist. And anyone who's listening, who, you know, has any sort of curiosity about that, I would love it if they would direct message me or reach out to me in some way. And I'd be more than happy to try to help you get involved in some sort of community that can help you because that's been an essential piece of my journey. And so, you know, it's interesting after that, of course, I had to then navigate the reality that a lot of the relationships that I had didn't have space for sober me. And so that was tough. And not only was I grieving the loss of my grandmother, but I was grieving the loss of a lot of things, um, a lot of relationships. But now having just a year and a few months of sobriety, I've got so many friends now that like totally support this version of me. And so even though I would say those first 90 days of sobriety were like, gritty, nasty, hard, like they're not anymore. And I'm not saying everything's sunshine and rainbows all the time. Cause that's just not reality. Um, if it is yours, that's wonderful. It's just not mine, but like, it's a lot easier now and coming across people who I do relate to in that we choose to be sober. I mean, that's like, we're friends, right. And how you got to sobriety and how I got to sobriety are way different things, but you chose because you wanted a quality of life that was different. And for me, it was the same. Maybe mine was more traumatic, but either way, you know, now like we get to be friends because I'm now the kind of person that's going to attract people that relate to this version of me. What a gift. Wow. (laughs) What a way to start this off. One of the things that you said before we even got on this podcast, it just goes to show what type of person you are is you wanted me to share my side because we were chatting about how sobriety uh, looks different to different people. And I think in today's world, a lot of people don't realize that they have a problem because they don't have a super traumatic event or a super like hurtful 
thing that happens to them where they're just like, they need to wake up, right? That rock bottom. Yeah, that rock bottom. Yeah. And for me, I love that you brought that up because for me, it's never been, like for most of my life, like the different things that I've struggled with, it's always been death by a thousand cuts. It's never been like something, I've been lucky. Like it's really just luck. Like I've been lucky. I've done some really dumb shit. But I've just gotten lucky to the point where it's never been super traumatic. And that's where I want to tell people out there, like, for me, it was more about whether you believe in God or the universe, whatever you believe in, like, wherever we go after this, when that day comes and you're you're shown the person that you could have been, that haunts me. And that's what haunted me. Like, my trauma was more internal of, like, when I got to school, when I was in college, I didn't smoke. I drank, but I didn't like super binge drink four times a week like I did when I was in college or I didn't seek out where's the cheapest drinks at every single week, right? And then once I got into college and played collegiate sports and saw that like we had a decent team and our our captains are doing it and this is just the way it is. And that's what kind of reminded me of when you were telling your story. You just get into this habit of like it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think there's two types of people in this world. There's people that are, it is what it is, or there's people that it is what I make it. Mm-hmm. And what we find when we get sober is you start seeing the people that are trying to make their life better without any external thing mm-hmm. making that life better. You're just bringing the energy yourself. And that's what I see from you. So I, I commend you for being able to take a traumatic event and instead of pointing the finger like a lot of people do, and going more internal and figuring out like, what is it that I have to bring to this world? And it's one of the reasons that I wanted to bring you on here in the first place is like this infectious energy that I could just, I'm really good at like understanding the energy of people and and places around me. Um, And you just light up a room that you go into. How much did alcohol dull that light? Like how, can you tell, can you feel the difference when you're, sober versus not and the energy that you're bringing to the world because i think a lot of people that's what they don't really understand is happening like they're literally dulling yeah their lights and who they could be yeah by introducing a substance into their life absolutely in order to quiet that noise i had to quiet everything you know so i think one thing that that if there's two types of people it is what it is and it is what i make it i think for a lot of my life i was it is what it is and then somehow eventually I decided that it, it is what I make it, you know? So, so for, for anyone listening, you can have been person A and you can decide to become person B. So also I didn't think I was going to like cry here. And then you're saying things. I'm like, oh my God, I might cry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, hey, as far it's as. It's all welcome here. It's like judgment free zone. That's why I love. We have this one little room with lights and cameras yeah. or whatever. But the reality is we nobody even knows we're here right now. We need tissues on the table. Okay. Yeah. So next podcast, you need tissues on the table. You know, make people cry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like it dulling, you know, I, I think another thing that was a gift of that experience is that my whole life, just like a lot of people, like I'm desperate to be seen and loved and heard, you know, like I just want people to love me. Who doesn't? And so I knew that with drinking, like I was fun. Like I, I was known as fun. And so, especially when I got sober, like that was one of the hardest things was like, am I still fun? 
And like, I was really not sure. And I'd really overstay situations trying to just be this person that I was before because I wanted people to like me. And But the gift of the public humiliation piece of that was that all of a sudden, all of these hundreds of people that were, their opinion of me was my North Star. And I needed you to love me. And all of a sudden, everything that they were doing and saying about me was, it was bad. And it was, I earned it. You know, it's not their, I earned it. My actions were justifiably not great. Right. But so all of a sudden I had to take a look at the situation as a whole and go, okay, so my North star being what you think about me, like is not working. And if I sit here and try to figure out what I think about me, okay, that's really uncomfortable. So if I look at my journey in sobriety now, it's this really cool thing where I showed up day one, right? And like, I didn't even know the girl in the mirror anymore. And I certainly didn't like her. And then as you get, you know, three months, six months, nine months, a year into that journey, it became, I'm starting to get to know her. I'm learning to like her. And then the really cool thing that's occurred in the past, I don't know, I'd say six months of this thing is I trust her. Like what a journey to get to go from a place just a year and a few months ago of, I don't even know her. And I certainly don't like her to not only do I know her, but I fucking trust her. That's cool. So yes, it definitely, I mean, it doled so much. It just, because I just was navigating life based on everyone else's opinion and just trying to please the world. And, and, and then all of a sudden nobody had anything nice to say anymore and rightfully so. So then it became this track of, what the fuck do you think? Like, what is your, like, what are your values? And are you doing things that live in line with that? What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Claire. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, Sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Claire Bays. When you numb yourself, you don't ask yourself the hard questions. That's That was what it was for me. Cause, yeah, you escape them. Yeah, the, the thing that really hits home was the, the two things. It was just like you're always going in your head. So like if I drank and I smoke, I finally felt like I could relax. Yep. I could just not have to worry about all the worries going on in my head. Rather, what it also conditioned me to be is not resilient. So 
Andrew Huberman talks about this, but like even minimal amount of alcohol impacts your resiliency in a negative way. And the first step of resilient is like, in my eyes is, do I love myself? Like it's, it's weird to think of resiliency as like love, Mm -hmm. but the people that love themselves the most understand that there's going to be hard days. Yeah. So they appreciate themselves in those harder moments rather than self-sabotage and go into numbing themselves. Mm-hmm. But for us, especially high, highly competitive people who are like want to have fun and want to have and just like want to attack life. Yeah. I noticed within myself that the first part of saying no to drinking was honestly the hardest because of what you said. Like, am I going to be fun anymore? Mm-hmm. Key thing though is I wasn't asking myself the question of like, why do I care to be fun to these people in the first place? Right. Now I care to be fun to the Claire's of the world and like the Eric Hinman's of the world. And it's like, and mountain biking and running. Shout out and, Eric. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I mentioned him because like he lives this lifestyle of, to my eyes, fun. Uh-huh. But to a lot of people are like, fuck, there's no way I could ever do that. Like yeah. go mountain biking every day and running and crossfitting and all the stuff that he gets to do yeah um and then all the friends we have here in austin texas where over at squatch like that's what i find fun going in ice baths and saunas and community workout events and that's fun to me Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be fun to you or you or you or you or you and as soon as i was comfortable enough saying that that's when i really found some peace and i think peace is really what brings people to peace within themselves Mm -hmm. i think that's where you start trusting yourself like if if i'm at peace with who i am yeah i trust myself and my decisions and who i'm around and then i don't feel like i'm obligated to have a drink or smoke or Mm -hmm. do whatever it is that you do to take the edge off as they say but i'd love to shift this conversation a little bit super powerful to start off with and now i guess i need to bring tissues into my podcast so um <laughs> you just said always looking for f- i was like oh man no. looking looking for feedback here always so <laughs> tissues check Dude. um but i'd love to go into a little bit of how you've used utilized fitness mm-hmm. in your life you mentioned function being like a functioning alcoholic yeah um and that also like i went to college i got a degree i played sports like it was the same thing for me, I felt that, but the, the way out, I think for me also was fitness. And for mm-hmm. you, I, I see that, uh, as an outlet as well, mm-hmm. run us through like how your fitness journey even began. Cause something we were talking about before the show was just like our transformation photos and like, you wouldn't even believe yeah. who we were <laughs> and like people only see us for who we are right now. So when they, when they hear this podcast and they go to Claire's page, they're going to be like, God damn. Yeah. Right. But they don't know the 10 years ago for, so let's run it back. Yeah. Give us the the 18 year old 20 year old Claire what was she doing in terms of fitness if at all yeah um and give us that a little bit of that journey and a taste of that journey yeah so uh and also with Eric Hinman I just have to touch on that I did get to interview him recently uh he's a friend of both of ours and he specifically commented on how many years and I cannot remember the exact number but I think it was somewhere between 10 and 20, which I know is a range. But anyway, he was just making reference to the fact that like people see the version of him today. And so they can listen to like, here's what his day look like, looks like. And it is to most, it's like, Oh, that's crazy. That's a lot, you know, whatever. But remembering that like, he's been building that person for a long time. So 
taking it back for me, I grew up in a small town in Shawnee, uh, Oklahoma, and everything was fried. And so nutrition. What was your favorite fried food? Oh, I ate chicken tenders with ranch (laughs) every day, every day until I was 18 years old. Do I need to say that again and like submerge it? Like you can't even see the chicken anymore. Fried chicken every single day. And so nutrition was not like a word that was like in their vocabulary, much less protein or calories or anything. And so my father is type two diabetic, has had open heart surgery. Um, He's insulin dependent at this point. So for the majority of my life, he was between 350 and 400 pounds. And my sister, who has absolutely given me full green lights to talk about this, but like from the time that we were in elementary school, she was being chased around being called Godzilla. So like because of her, her obesity at a young age. Is she older or younger? She's almost three years older than me. She's, she was two grades above me. And um, so she's made wonderful headway and her journey's incredible as well. Um, but anyway, so, so I grew up surrounded by morbid obesity and I was like a little kid that was out in the neighborhood playing around, goofing off all the time. So I didn't struggle with my weight until I got out of high school and not that I was ever in shape. I didn't play any sports. I didn't do anything fitness, but I was still just out and about all the time. And as a result, didn't struggle with my weight. wasn't a thought. And so then I turned 18 I actually graduated high school and moved out of my parents' home whenever I was 17 years old. But when I was 18, I started to gain weight and relatively rapidly. And so as soon as I started to do that, I just was like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't want to do this. I don't know anything about how to not do this, but I know that like, I don't want to keep trending up here. And so then I started to seek out resources. And so for me, it all started with um, a a shake shop in town that was new and they sold shakes and they said, if you drink two shakes a day and eat a meal and you'll lose lose weight. So I did that, (laughs) right? And um, (laughs) fun fact about all of that with me, something you'll notice is I'm a very all-in person. So I actually, at the age of 18, opened one of those shake shops, got a bank to loan me money. It's actually still there to this day. That is a fucking awesome story. (laughs) Yeah. And the girl that I got to drop out of college to open it with me as my business partner still is there to this day. It's in a new location, a better location by a different name. And she's thriving with it. Super cool. Um, but yeah, but anyway, cause I was like, this is great. This is a quality of life I've never known before. I'm going to go do this. I had not yet figured out how to actually live a healthy lifestyle. I just knew if I drank two shakes a day and ate a meal hey, that was low in calories. Somewhere. Right. That's the thing. Start right. somewhere. So, so that was my introduction to nutrition in any capacity. And so then from there, because I didn't yet have the tools and resources to know how to live an actual healthy, consistent lifestyle and alcohol was still very much a part of my life. Um, so it was either all or nothing. So then I developed these really cute disorders like binge eating and bulimia. And so I wound up selling my part of that because I felt like a fraud. And I couldn't really articulate that at 19 years old, but that's what happened. And so anyway, so then we go on from there and I still haven't really gotten into any sort of gym, anything. So fitness came in, in my twenties where I started to attend a gym. And it was the same thing as, as you notice with all of these things that I choose to change the pattern is I see like a quality of life that I want. Right. So I join a gym and I'm terrified to be there. And I'm driving around the block and driving home because I look in there and those people belong and I don't, 
I don't know what I'm doing. So like that's their space. They belong there. They know what they're doing. They're comfortable there. I'm an idiot. And so it was really hard to start going to the gym and, but, but I wanted it desperately. Just like, I mean, I think that if you, like, if you look at all these, it's desperation. I got sober out of desperation. I started to figure out things with nutrition out of desperation. I started like all of these were things that I wanted the quality of life that I saw that other people had. And so anyway, so for me with fitness, I think it's cool. I I joined a CrossFit gym in 2016 and, um, because I knew that they would like make me do cardio and I didn't do that. And I had been going to another gym, a small one doing like weight training, not understanding movement patterns at all, doing it by myself, but still just doing the best I could. So I joined that because I was going to do an obstacle course race with some buddies that I was bartending with. And, uh, I, I knew they'd make me do cardio. So, you know, I, I love to remind people if you're familiar with CrossFit that like I was attending a CrossFit gym for over three years before I did my first toes to bar, which is a gymnastics movement. That's relatively like in the grand scheme of gymnastics movements, it's a lower skill one, even though it's a, it's a skill movement. But anyway, I, so, you know, I kept showing up and, and there's this interesting thing with me where I had to get a job at a very young age, um, to get a cell phone or get a car at 16. I actually started working when I was 14, but then got like a legit, like could have a job at a an establishment at 16. And anyway, so I've always had this like work ethic at work. That's like, I can work hard. Like when you're hungry, you'll eat. Like I, I can work hard, but, but I didn't have that same belief in myself in the walls of the gym or with fitness. I was never an athlete. So, so I kept going to this gym for years and just being like, I'll never do that. I'll never do it. I'll never be an athlete. I'll never do that movement. I'll never be able to yada, yada, never, never, never. But I kept showing up. And after years of showing up, people in that space started to say to me, why? Like, why do you think that you can't? And as I started to question that, I started to realize, wait a second, why? So then in 2020 is when this really cool thing flipped for me in this space of the gym, where I went from, I'll never be able to X, Y, Z to fuck around and find out. (laughs) And so then I started to like see major improvements in my athletic ability because I finally started to believe in myself in that space. That took years. And so now I get to be this person that gets to come into these facilities and, and run classes. And and I am a coach of CrossFit and, and can coach functional fitness and Um, so I like, I I get to be that person today. And so I just show up as this person that gets seen as this fitness person. And meanwhile, no, you know, like people just see that today and have no idea that like our origins were really far from that, but you can get there. And so anyway, I just think that's a really cool trajectory yet again to just kind of, I think it, what it makes me think of is identity. I think all of us as human beings, we struggle with our personal identity and identifying with what we can and what we cannot do. And especially if you're like mixing drugs and alcohol in your life, like it's just such a confusing right there. You're like, I'm going to this fitness facility, but I'm also a bartender. So it's just like your worlds are just so in like misalignment is what I would say. Um, For me, it showed up. This is why I love your story. And I wanted to chat with you as well with the whole like, becoming an athlete like Mm -hmm. why would you tell yourself just because you didn't play a sport as a kid that you're not an athlete and then for me like I was an athlete my whole life and I think I played soccer far too long like I kept playing after 
college and mm-hmm. like in these little like co-ed leagues to meet new friends when I didn't really love it, but it was because my personal identity was attached to, oh, I'm a soccer player. Right. Rather for you is like, oh, I'm not an athlete. Mm-hmm. So it makes me think like, when did that start? Like, why were you viewing yourself as not an athlete? I think a lot of people. So like my wife, she's a badass at health and fitness and especially running, by the way, especially running. Coordinate that, please. We'll coordinate (laughs) that, Um, especially running. But the cool thing is like people reach out to her about her running now, but I remember back in high school, like she would be the girl skipping the mile run. Like she was a dancer. She didn't run. Yeah. And then in college, she switched her identity to, she started running half marathons and, and today it's eventually probably going to lead to the Boston marathon or something in the future. I don't know what she has her eyes set on now, but she can achieve, she knows that she can achieve whatever she sets her, her eyes on because her identity, her ability to switch her identities whenever she wants mm-hmm. is now a thing mm-hmm. for you. Was there a specific time that it flipped of like, okay, now I can switch my identities or was it becoming sober or, or what was it? What inhibited you from switching? So like, why did you see yourself as not the athlete yeah. to what was the switch to like, I can do this now? Was it purely just showing up every day or was there any like, positive moment that was like reinforcing you yeah oh I can actually do this yeah well and also I uh, you know I I just have to touch on because it's yet again it's it's so funny how you and I energy level wise like we have a lot in common and then we also have just such different stories um which I think is so fun and I like just have so much curiosity now about yours because I I, I can't imagine you know I get to have the perspective of like I got to like learn these things later whereas you had the athlete identity and, and I've talked to many people who have come into functional fitness or now, you know, go to CrossFit gyms or go to whatever. Um, and have had to transition out of that. Like I thought I was going to play in the NFL, you know, and, or my identity was this soccer player or my identity was X, Y, Z. I was the athlete. And so like, I just think it's an interesting thing because you had to go from the opposite perspective of I am an athlete to now who am I outside of this space? And this can still be a very large part of my life and I can continue to be an athlete, but I'm, I am more than that. I think both parties suffer. Like I look at my parents, like the reason I am the way that I am is like my mom, not an athlete, my dad, hardcore athlete. Yeah. But then like, as they got older, their identities shift. My dad doesn't play sports anymore. Like Mm -hmm. he had the providers family. My mom now becomes a mother. So it's like, that's being an athlete in itself. Like being like a stay at home mom and like with two boys, (laughs) like that's superhuman. You're pretty much being an athlete. But like the reason I love this part of the conversation is like all of us are struggling with identity. Uh 99% of us. I would consider I don't struggle today because I've worked on it so much where it's just like every day I could be different. If I really want to, if I choose to, but that's where I think, especially for women, like you have a full sleeve. I freaking love it. Like that's an identity, right? Yeah. Or if you don't like tattoos, like that's an identity as well. So when it comes to fitness, I think a lot of us limit ourselves because we're, we immediately give ourselves the identity of like, I'm not a runner. I'm not a CrossFitter. I'm not a high rocks athlete. Uh Rather you're proof in the pudding that like you can literally just switch your identity. And I think- your insight into how to switch and what is the limiting belief in the mind yeah. that stops people from switching in the first place. Yeah. Well, I think that you as the human that you are that sits here today, you're going to be different 
a year from now and five years from now and 10 years from now. And the foods that you eat are going to look different and that's okay. And the form of fitness that you do is going to look different and that's okay. And so I think just understanding that we are ever evolving and like that excites me because I feel like over the last 12 years of my experience, cause I'm 30 now and started to try to figure out nutrition when I was 18. And, you know, so through that, my adult life, it has changed so much. You know, I was strictly vegan for over five years, which is like wild. That's another identity. <laughs> yeah, Look at this. Yeah, I, I know. didn't know that. And I, yeah, it was crazy. Um, and then I started to reintroduce other foods largely due to travel and, you know, prioritizing intake of protein and just things change. But that's the beauty of it is like it does continue to change and you do evolve and that's okay. How and do you so, love yourself through those changes? You practice it, but it is giving yourself grace and understanding. Mean, you just have to learn that like – you are a human and you are going to be imperfect. I should have probably said this at the very beginning, but remind everybody that I'm not an expert at any of this. I just love running really hard into walls to figure out that they're there. Like I love it. <laughs> and so like, I know that I have more struggle ahead and I have more walls to run into ahead, but those make me savor the lessons that much more. So I'm at peace with all of that turbulence. You know, if I wanted to sit here and be super mad about those 16 years that I spent in alcoholism, actively drinking, like what does that do for me or anybody else? Like morbid reflection serves no one. I can't change it. And it's built me to who I am today. And so, okay, you know, we'll use those experiences and then hopefully just help other people with them. So I'm not an expert on any of it, but yeah, so it's for, for whoever, you know, giving yourself grace and just remembering that you are imperfect because you are human and you experience emotions and life has stressors and like, that's just never going to not be a thing. And so that means that life's going to ebb and flow. There are going to be good times and there are going to be bad times. And that just is what it is. Don't look to decrease your stress. Look to increase your stress tolerance. Yeah. It's one of the quotes that I live by nowadays. Oh, I love because, that. Like, you, like what you said, you can't, there's just so many things we cannot control. Yeah. And I love how you started with gratitude earlier. It's because like, if you have your health, you should be grateful. If you have people around you that love you, you should be grateful. There's a lot of things to be grateful for that are out of your control, could be taken away from you in the blink of an eye. At any eye, moment, absolutely. Right? So knowing that and just saying like, that's a fact. That's that's just a fact. No matter how rich you are or not rich you are, the color of your skin, the age, the amount of money you make, that is a fact for all of us. The things that you love can be taken from you at a moment's notice. So the stress of that, it's gonna happen eventually, like mm -hmm. at some age. So just learning from a young age for me, like that's where I just like to increase the stress tolerance that I have and that's yeah. health and wellness is a great way to do that and I see you doing that on a daily basis and getting after it and that's where I'd love to shift into today like what does that life look like today so you're here in Austin Texas yeah. and working on a few different things and this is kind of the part of the show where I like to introduce all the good stuff that you're working on and working towards and who you're working with and maybe somebody else listening out there would love to connect with you and and find a way to be mutually beneficial to you. So let's kick it off with just like, okay, what brought you to Austin, Austin, Texas? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, a job that I don't have <laughs> is what brought me here. So, uh, and I'm, so, and I'm so grateful to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
uh, yet again, another thing I thought of that, that when you say build your, your stress tolerance, it makes me think of a, a phrase that I, I love to think about in life. And that is just that like, we're just trying to learn how to accept life on life's terms because life is going to happen on life's terms. And so the more resources that we can, you know, learn and develop and the tools that we can find to put in our tool belt for this thing, because it's going to happen. So we're all still out here to try to figure that out, right? <laughs> Monkeys on a rock. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> on a but, floating rock. But yeah. So, <laughs> so I came to Austin for, for a job. And then unfortunately, some internal events occurred with that company. And But I say unfortunately, I don't actually mean unfortunately, because I'm so grateful to be here. And so let's see, you know, last year I worked at the CrossFit Games for a brand in that space. And then I worked a handful of other events for them. Then I went on this brand awareness endeavor. And so this year for them, so I went and coached in a lot of facilities. So it's interesting. I hold a level one and a level two certification in the CrossFit space. And I also took this program. It's a 12 week program. That's incredible. The coaches development program. And anyway, so have good, like coaching ability, but I was a real estate agent prior to this. So up until earlier this year, I was a residential real estate agent in Oklahoma and I was totally content there. And so whenever this brand asked me like, Hey, we're going to do this roadshow next year. You want to quit your career and come do that. And I'm like, uh, give me a second. And then the more I thought about (laughs) it, I was like, oh yeah, you're pretty comfortable and you're not really a comfortable kind of girl. So, all right, here we go. (laughs) And so anyway, I went and did that and it was such a good experience. I mean, it was hard, but it was so good. And I got to meet so many people within the fitness community. And I mean, coming into Austin now living here, I had the wonderful luxury of getting to coach in so many different facilities that now I've come and have this like network that I'm so grateful for because I am new here. And so anyway, Now, also, one of the things that occurred was in January, the founder of that company asked me to start to create content. And they simply were like, can you create like reels and stuff, right, for Instagram? So I was like, okay, I'll try. So I started to create reels entirely because of the fact that I was developing a relationship with a brand. And it went well. (laughs) And it was like this fun, creative outlet that I didn't know that I wanted to have. And it was well received, right? So anyway, from then I, you know, I'd say maybe in January I had like 2,500 followers on Instagram, right? And to now, whatever it is um, at this time, it's just grown quite a bit. And so what it has shown me is that like, one, it's a fun creative outlet for me. It's something I enjoy doing. I didn't set out to like build a following. That was not the intention. But now that we're here, I see this a be- beautiful capacity within the content creation space to genuinely positively impact the world in that way. And so that's something like, it's very gray for me at this time. So as much as, you know, what am I doing today? It's like, well, <laughs> check back later. Um, you know, I do get to work with First Form and that's one of the brands that I have a great relationship with. The people there are amazing. Um, so I get to work with them and, and coach people with their nutrition. So that's something I do. And so working with people on tracking their macros and learning their behaviors with their nutrition is something that's a focus of mine. And then also getting to go into facilities and coach is super, super fun. Um, my podcast actually launches by the time this comes out, it's going to be out in the first four episodes. Um, and then there'll be once weekly well, after that, it will be conversations with Claire. Oh, yeah. let's go. Yeah. When so does it launch? It launches, I believe Friday. So like 
that if where this is coming out next Thursday, then it like, what is the date actually? I'm like yeah, so the ni- the nineteenth, right August eighteenth. Okay, so tomorrow. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. August nineteenth. I think so. Yeah. So um, super excited that's about that. Oh, I'm so excited about it. Yeah, it's it's I've toyed What's with. What's the podcast about? Yeah, it's it's honestly relatively similar to yours. <laughs> Just the idea. You're going and it's, to crush it. It's brand new, <laughs> you know. So, but um, what ha- what happened is now that I'm here in Austin, it was like okay, so this content creation thing is is super cool and there's so much capacity to positively impact hopefully uh through my experiences and through other people's experiences so how can we really build on this and so i was had a meeting with somebody brian who you know about youtube and whenever we were talking about building out some content strategy for youtube which i have launched that and i'm also releasing once weekly videos there now right now and that channel is just my name claire base and so now that we're releasing content there we had our first meeting and he was like you need to do a podcast. And I was like, yeah, I would love to do that. You know, so that's kind of, so we're just really like where people can find me right now is actually now on Instagram. We're working on TikTok. Uh, <laughs> I'm not great on there, but we're working on it. So Instagram's the main thing. Just repost your Instagram. Reels. I know, I know. Like, yes, it's just needs that's to all be I do. consistency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it just has to be a matter of like consistently doing it. It's really, you know, that how hard is that? But so yeah, so they can find me on those platforms. And then now you will actually be able to find my podcast on Conversations with Claire on Apple and Spotify and so I on. I think you would crush it on LinkedIn too, just because your, your real estate background uh-huh. and having more of like, you went from the corporate style to now you're like what I would just consider is like freelancing um, and your own brand. Um, There's a lot of people that connect with that on LinkedIn because, and I'm just saying this because I repost like my podcast stuff on LinkedIn and uh, some of the content that I post is similar to what I would see you, you posting Um, and having that background, like it does, it does fairly well. So just something to something to consider and it's like in grand scheme of things you're making the video for like the real but then you take that video and then just reformat it to linkedin so it's not super time consuming interesting Um, but it hits a market that like wants that type of info so any type of info you're when you're talking about like how to build a brand or like how to like uh go from how to switch careers like anything like that does really well on linkedin yeah. Okay. That's good. Food for thought. I'll probably want to talk to you more yeah. about that. <laughs> but I, I like you have a lot going on. It's it's awesome to see, and like um, I'm just happy that we have. I'm just the, going back to the gratitude. I'm I'm grateful that Austin continues to collect such amazing people and yeah. people that bring good energy and are and are helping each other um, get to the next level. It's one of the things that. I never thought like before Austin. I would I moved around a lot. So like the first. Uh, first year that I came to Austin prior to that, I was in five different cities within three years. Oh my gosh. Um, so it was constantly just moving and trying to figure out who the fuck I was and what I wanted to do with my life. Yeah. And then when I got to Austin, I started realizing it's like, oh, it's life is more about like your environment and who you're around on an everyday basis because yes. it's, it, podcasting, for instance, when I walk around Austin, I talk about like I have a podcast or I'm in a sauna. It's not a like foreign thing. Yep. It's like, oh, that's dope. Like, what do you what do you talk about? Who are your guests? Like, it's common. Yeah. Um, so just having that commonality versus like if you're on Wall Street and you like finance, it's like the same thing. But when I was on Wall Street and in a suit, uh, when I was working outside New York, I just felt like I was an alien. Like that is not me. I want to be yeah. full sleeve yeah. and have a, a muscle tee and in front of the cameras and the lights and, and the action really yeah. it's the adrenaline, right? So Which is so um, cool too that that's the world that you came from and like your story as well, which I don't know how much of that you've probably shared on your platform here. But <laughs> it is so cool because you did 
you did, you know, that's, that's why you felt related, related to me from the get go. When we met, we actually met in Colorado for, for context through a mutual friend and we did a workout together. And then we were like, Oh, we both live in Austin. We need to become friends. And I will say that I went and trained at Squatch with you and your friends. Um, and I cannot tell you how much soul food that was for me. So thank you. And thank you to that group of people. And I'm just so excited to be here and to get to know you guys better because I was coming off of a multi-month road show and I was feeling pretty out there. I hadn't spent more than three to four days in the same state in three months. And so you talk about not feeling like your feet are on the yeah. ground at all. They're literally not on the ground. And so just to come in and hear you guys talk about stoicism or talk about anything, I just left that experience with you guys being like, it's going to be okay. So, it so goes, thank you for I that. I love that you said, so stoicism, for instance, like, this whole conversation, a lot of it has been around identity, right? We started off with like going from not sober to sober. Yeah. And then you're, you've just bopped around like different careers, different places you've lived, known different people. Um, you've been a different person. Yeah. And the thing that I've learned about life and the reason I like stoicism and philosophy, and I was, I knew about it prior to Noah uh-huh. moving here, but like he's super into it. And it, I'm just blessed that he is because it's like taught me so much yeah. is our identities change, but our principles should never change. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing, like going back to the very beginning of this conversation, like even when I was drunk, I had principles in my head that I knew I wouldn't break. Like there were certain things that I was just like, I am this type of person, like I work hard. Like that was one thing, even if I was drunk, I was working, like there was just certain (laughs) principles that I kept, they would just get duller. Like, and they would get, like basically stripping away and I could tell that they were getting stripped away. And then once I kind of like shut down everything, stopped smoking, stopped drinking, I was like, oh, my principles, the the level of my principles are now here. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the number one principle that I kind of was raised with in my family. It was just like, do one to others as you want done to yourself. So like my, I was blessed, like my parents are great. Like they told us to be super respectful uh, human beings, like growing up and hold the doors open for people. And like, just be, even though we were a little out there and I was a ball of energy, like be well behaved, like be, be a contribution to society, like be kind and be authentic and be grateful and understand certain principles. So I'd love to kind of like get to, we got to get towards, unfortunately, I wish I could spend three hours talking okay, to you. Eventually, when I get paid to do this, that's what's going to happen. Um, it's going to be three hour long conversations. Um, but I'd love to understand a little bit. You mentioned stoicism. Like, what are some of the principles that you live by yeah. today? And like, what are you rooted in um, that keeps you going every single day? Because again, it sounds like it's been a whirlwind couple years and even just the past six months you've been traveling you finally got to Austin you're looking to create some roots here what are the principles in your life that really have remained true as you've been transitioning your different identities yeah there's been so much change in the past year plus that it's really uh oh gosh that's a wonderful question and it's and it's me not being an expert at any of it again right and so whenever I got sober, I went on this like hardcore moral inventory search. Who are you? What are your values? What are you, are you living in line with those, et cetera? And, um, so, you know, I got involved in therapy. I got, I, I did a lot of things, right. I started to develop habits like writing a gratitude list every day where I write five things I'm grateful for every day. Mm. Um, I also do a daily inventory 
where I simply ask myself a number of questions, write it down. And, um, and so that those types of things and the things that matter to me, you know, was I selfish? Is there something I could have done for others? Was I kind and loving towards others? Like things like that. Like those are questions that I actually answer every day. So when I went on the road show, I sidelined some of that cause I got real busy and that was not the move. And so, but the beauty of this is I, I, I learned those tools and then I set them to the side on accident, but I picked them back up and I'm doing them again. And so like yet again, with this whole navigating life, like we're just not going to do it perfectly. And, and you know, one of my sober friends did a wonderful thing with me after I came with Roadshow and I was like, I learned all these skills and what did I even do? Like, I just, uh, you know, I was just mad about it. And he was like, look at where you were a year ago and where you are right now. Let's remember, like, we're in a lot better place. You're still sober. Those tools are right there and you know you need them, so go pick them up. You're going to be okay, you know? So as far as the things that I live by today, you know, I know that the discipline of moving my body every day and that is going to have such a significant positive impact on my quality of life. And so whether I'm motivated to do it or not is irrelevant the discipline carries me to the gym on the days when I don't want to go. And so I've also learned that throttling yourself in there and making your central nervous system, which this is a whole other topic that we could really go into, you know, is not the move and and understanding that like recovery does matter and that you do need to rest and things, but you can do active recovery where you don't jack your heart rate up and you don't get out of control, but you still get movement because movement is medicine. And so Those are things that like, if we're looking at my day to day and the things that I implement into my life to help me live a better quality of life, it's, I try my best to be mindful about what I'm eating. I try my best to spend some time inside of my own brain because that's something whenever I was drinking, I didn't do just in life. I hadn't spent any time with my own thoughts. I didn't like it there. So I didn't do it. And so getting sober, then I was told by my therapist and other people that were like, you really need to get to know yourself. And the only way to do that is to spend time with yourself. And so I still, to this day, when I'm getting ready in the morning, taking a shower or whatever, like I do not allow myself to consume information during that time. And so that was something I had never done, you know, but that really, if you allow yourself those bits of time in the day, I say a quick prayer in the morning and that's just to get out of myself and to quit being selfish. It's really simple to just try to see how I can actually be of service to other people. And if I'll just do those simple actions, I get to have a better quality of life. So sometimes I nail it and sometimes I don't. And there are days when I don't do those things. And then I start to get kind of crazy and I know, okay, come back, come back to those tools again. You need to come back, but you have the option to do that. And each day is a new opportunity to do those things. And if you just don't give up, it's going to get better. Like it's, you'll get better at it. My consistency within the gym kind of blows my mind, honestly, from the person I was 10, 12 years ago to the person I am today and how much it's just kind of like, I understand that that discipline is going to do for me what it's going to do for me. So I just do it, you know? It's consistency over intensity. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the intensity, I love it. And there's a few days a week where I like go yeah. for it, you know? But, for but then the, there are days where I recognize yeah. like ro- reel it back in, just get the movement in. You don't need to be intense today. And and that's healthy to me at this time. So so yet again, the journey is different. It looked different a year ago. It'll look different a year. Check back later. I'll have something slightly different to say. And I'm super okay with that. So much gold there. 
And I like how you use the word throttling because especially when I'm using the equation consistency over intensity, because in some areas, like what we got to realize is there's some areas where you have to raise the level of intensity, but that doesn't mean you have to raise it across the board. So if like your career is really intense right now, Mm -hmm. just getting in movement, 10 minutes, 20 minutes is enough, right? But then as soon as like the career starts maybe shifting down a little bit, like a downshift, raise the level of intensity in the gym and just like understanding that as long as you stay consistent across the board Mm -hmm. and when I work with other people that's what I I try to convey to them is just like I don't win races on the days when I'm intense I win the races on showing up to the gym on the days where you chose not to and I still went there and stretched did the sauna and did the ice yeah that's where I win I don't win by going there and blowing my self out every single day that's not where winning is done it's in the small moments that we either give ourselves a a break meaning like okay I'm just not gonna do that when I knew deep down like that thing's gonna help me just like for the gym it's like the discipline of having that and just showing up and doing something is better than nothing like the one percent is better than the zero percent so I love that and there's so much to take away from that getting close to wrapping up here and we end in the same way every single time. Um, but before I ask the two last questions that I typically ask, I love tattoos. So I have to ask you, <laughs> which tattoo was first and when did you get it? Yeah. Uh, so my shoulder was the first piece. I always knew I wanted a sleeve. So, okay. Always like, let's backtrack there. Like, like when I say that to people, they don't get it, but yeah. like I get it. Yeah. But when like define always, like, out the womb, five years old, 10. Like I think one literally out the womb. <laughs> I think if there are two, two words to describe me growing up, I was rebellious and I was reckless. And so thankfully, I'm at least not so reckless anymore. The exact opposite <laughs> but, of normal R&R. Re- rela- <laughs> what is it? Rest, rest and, and relaxation. Rebellious yeah, and reckless. literally the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, that's, I'll, I'll remember that. But so, yeah, I grew up on the back of a motorcycle with my dad and like, I mean, I was just always like, I was always just, you know, I was a kid on a skateboard and whatever. Right. So it just fit my identity. And I will say, I, I love having it. Um, so anyway, the Hell first yeah. one I got was on my shoulder, but like fully knowing that like the sleeve was going to happen just piece by piece. What age was the shoulder one? Um, 18, the day I turned 18. 18. I, the I, day? I, yeah. I mean, as soon as I could, I wasn't messing around. <laughs> That's fucking sweet. Yeah. My first one is you mentioned never given up. So I've never given up, never give up written on my rib cage. Um, and I think I got it like, so I, my birthday is January. I think I got it in February of when I turned 18 and I showed up cause like I had to take a half day at school. Like I, I literally left school early. You could sign yourself out when you're 18. So I like mm-hmm. left school early, drove to the tattoo shop. Mm-hmm. And then I come into school the next day, like feeling all hype on my myself. Tattoo. I got my first tattoo guys. Like <laughs> and I'm a little scrawny 18 year old there. And they're just like, what, why did you get that? Like out of everything. But for me, like, again, it was just, I was rooted in principles and I didn't mm-hmm. even know it. It was just like, I was, I always wanted to look in the mirror and just be like, no matter how hard shit was getting, like, just don't give up. Keep, keep pushing the throttle forward. So I appreciate you sharing that with me today. And and are you done? Are you going to get more? Like, what's the, I've got a little bit more work to do on the sleeve. It's not complete yet. And so that, and then I don't want another sleeve. I don't want tattoos. I do have one around my waist as well. So who knows? We'll see. I, I really Yet again, this whole theme, yeah, like I'm like, (laughs) if I know anything is that as soon as you make a plan, life is going to be like, LOL, fuck your plan. So I'm just not even going to go there. Like check back later. I don't know. (laughs) Awesome. That's going to be the title of this episode. Uh, 
clear base. Check back later. <laughs> um, but okay. So last two questions. Somebody loved this conversation. Yeah. They really want to get in contact with you. Let them know how much they love you. How do they get in contact with you? If you are still here, let me tell you that I am grateful for you. And I really hope that something in here was valuable for you in some way. And I would love to hear from you because we all can learn from one another. And so I want to know what it is that works for you. Or if you feel like you're in a position where you want some help, I want to help you. I like we get so much out of helping one another and just realizing that we're not alone. So anyway, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So the, the primary place right now, I would say, as far as actually connecting with me is definitely going to be through Instagram. And so at Claire Bays, that's just C-L-A-I-R-E-B-A-Y-S. I actually love to tell people if you like type in at Claire, you're going to find Claire P. Thomas first and then me second, <laughs> typically. And I always say I've met her and she's amazing. And um, I'm like, if I come second to that Claire for the rest of my life, I'm beyond at peace with that. <laughs> but anyway, so you can find me there. And then like we talked about the other platforms, um, YouTube and podcast and so on. But as far as connecting, go there. Heck yeah. Definitely yeah. reach out to Claire. Let her know that you love this episode and what you loved about it. Yeah. And then potentially if she can help you in some way, don't be afraid to ask. Yep. She doesn't bite. At least that I know of. Okay. She's spicy, but she won't bite you. Yeah. Last question. Okay. What does it mean to thrive? If I were to ask you, what does thriving mean to Claire? How would you respond? To be present, to be where your feet are. Mm. I feel like when we can just appreciate the moment that we're in and we like innately are thinking forward to the future and what we want to get done and what we want to accomplish and who we want to be. And while there's space for that, obviously that's something I think about all the time. Also just drawing yourself back to like appreciating the moment that you're in and, and the life that you have today, because that's one of the biggest regrets you hear of people having at the end of their lives is that they wish they would have experienced more joy in the moment that they were in and would have enjoyed their lives more. And so like, all of these things we've talked about can contribute to your quality of life, which would then help you thrive, right? But um, just appreciating the fact that you exist where you are right now and that you get to be here, like that's pretty cool. I absolutely love that response because it's one of the reasons that I created this podcast in the first place. It's every week when I chat with amazing human beings like yourself, it's flow state. So like, I don't, I don't think, I'm not thinking about the past or the future or anything. Like when we turn the record button, when we press the record button, we have these cameras going and the lights on. It's like, this is where I'm at yeah. and that's it. And that's a, a wonderful response to that. And anybody listening out there, if you can find that for yourself, whatever it is, it could be a sport, it could be art, it could be a relationship you have with somebody else. Hold on to that and, and make sure that you're reflecting on how grateful you should be to have that. Um, at the end of every episode, I reflect on what my biggest takeaway was. And this one is kind of easy only because your friend that told you, even if you have a drink, I still love you, left a profound impact on me because I think what she was really granting you right there in that moment was a love for yourself no matter what action that you take. And I think a lot of people out there are stuck in the past or stuck in the future and they're not allowing themselves to be present because they don't love themselves 
based on a previous action, based on they don't believe in themselves to get to somewhere where they want to be in the future. They can't just look in the mirror and say, you know what, like any actions I've taken up to this point have been okay. And any actions that I take in the future, like how you said, it's just like check in with me later. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best, but check in with me later. So your friend, whoever that friend was, wherever she is out there, thank Shout you out for Jerry. yeah, <laughs> thank you for for bringing that into my life because it's just a reminder that no matter where I'm at, I've done some really cool things in my life. I've done some things that I I don't necessarily look up to, but it is what it is that makes me who I am. And I don't wish to be anybody but myself. And I want that for everybody else out there. So I also just have to acknowledge how incredible you did. This was awesome. Like, this is great. So you're doing a wonderful job with this. <laughs> I appreciate it. And I was telling Claire before this episode how much this has evolved and how I, my buddy Fayez has helped me start this. It was episode one. He was episode 100. He's going to be episode 200. So we made a we made a pact and a bond with, with ourselves that every 100 episodes, he's going to be the guest. I love um, it. Because it wouldn't exist without him. But we recorded on whisks. Like literally I had my phone and I put the lab mic to a whisk. And then now just to have people to be able to come to a specific room yep. with lights and cameras. And then, yeah, the setup's um, great. Yeah, I'm actually going to continue to invest and just bought another camera. And uh, one of my dear friends is actually moving back to... Austin, Texas to help me out. Uh, hopefully that happens uh, in October, November timeframe. So stay tuned for that, everybody. But please, uh, if you listen to this episode, my biggest ask of you is to connect with Claire. Um, that's why this podcast exists is to connect um, like-minded individuals and people that can help each other. Strive together, thrive together is our motto. Yeah. So if you took anything away from this podcast, please let Claire know uh, and then let me know that you connected with her because I that honestly means more to me than the currency that I make on a daily basis so yeah and share it with somebody that you think it will impact boom sorry that was the next thing that (laughs) I was gonna say is share this episode with somebody that I could help so Mm -hmm. this is your definitely with the thrive on life podcast until next time thrive on y'all what's up y'all this is CJ again and on behalf of the small team here at thrive on life I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. And we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.